Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And I am so excited for today's episode. We've never done this before, but we have a bunch of our favorite bookstagrammers on today to give reading recommendations to help inform our summer reading lists. I have to say that these little mini interviews we've been doing have been just absolutely delightful. It's going to be great. Cannot wait for you to hear. It's also been problematic because I now have far too many new books that I need to buy. (laughs) Same. So many, so many. Well, let's get into it. Before we get to our mini guests, what's your high? My high is that I am approaching month four of not ordering delivery or seamless, which at one point in my life seemed truly physically impossible, but kind of proud of myself there. Olivia, I am flabbergasted. I am at the point in my life where I cannot even imagine that. That's where I was. I was like, you will have to pry this from my cold, dead hands. I will not give up this convenience ever. Have you learned anything about yourself? (sighs) I've learned that I have to plan meals like, and I have to have a good balance of healthy, like, you know, nutritionally balanced options and also just comfort food. Like I can't fill my fridge with only vegetables and expect to just be completely satisfied. I need some pizza. I need some frozen like ramen. I need, I need options. Yeah. Do you regret it? No, no. Cause okay. it saved us so much money. The best way to motivate yourself, if you go in and you calculate the amount that you spend on it, it's truly horrifying, or at least it was for us. <laughs> I don't want to know that. That's not my business. Anyway, we we did it mainly just to save money. And I should say, we still do get takeout. We just walk and pick it up. So, I mean, mm. it's, you know, so it's not like we've quit all takeout or eating okay, out. That okay, would okay. actually kill me. <laughs> I think I actually did accidentally say once on an episode that I quit takeout and delivery and I felt bad because what I really meant is just delivery. But anyway, so still still proud of that little change. Yeah. You should be. What is your high? I'm going to London tomorrow. It's very exciting. Going for a long weekend. I guess when this episode airs, I'll already be back. I'm just going from taking a red eye Tuesday night and I'm coming back on Sunday. Rachel is going for a conference. And so I'm just tagging along. Flights were cheap. Hotel was cheap. So I'm going to have the days to myself to like be the main character in my own book and and wander around. And we have a bunch of fun dinner plans. We're going to see a show. I'm excited. Awesome. That sounds perfect, to be honest. And it's not supposed to rain. The weather is really mild. So it seems like good exploring weather. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to follow along on social media. I hope you'll be sharing. I will be. Yay. What about lows? My low is just kind of a normal part of freelancing life, but I feel like every six months or so I get to this point where no one is paying me on time or I forgot to send an invoice or just everything stacks up. And with all the traveling we've been doing, I just, it's making me a little bit stressed out because I'm spending more than usual, but you know, part of the gig. So that's the worst. It's the worst when you're like, well, I'll get paid for this in five months. Yeah, it really does work out that way sometimes. And it's, it's, yeah. It's hard to plan around. It really, really is. What is your low? I don't have one. I mean, everything is still in play that I complained about last episode. It's only been a weekend in between when we recorded. So (laughs) nothing else has gone wrong, which I'm grateful for. But um, nothing's improved either. So (laughs) here we are. Well, okay. 
but I'm excited to talk about these books. Let's take an ad break first. So one of the things that is on my to-do list this evening before I head to London is to give myself a mani-pedi. And usually this would be a huge pain because I'd have to carve out time in my day to go to the nail salon. But with Olive and June, I can get a salon-quality mani at home. And honestly, just think of how much money you're saving. I feel like a single gel manicure in any major city, including Philly, is at least $50. But when you get Olive and June's Manny system with six polishes, it breaks down to just $2 per manicure. And just to gush for a few seconds, three other things I love about Olive and June. One, they have such cute on-trend colors. They release new collections every season, and the summer ones have a lot of fun peaches and pinks along with some fun blues and teals that I feel like would look super cute for a pedicure. Number two, their poppy is a lifesaver. And if you don't know what the poppy is, the poppy is their patented brush handle, which makes it so easy to paint with both hands. So if the thing that's stopping you from doing an at-home manicure is your painting skills, this is the solution. And then number three, their top coat is the best in the game. I swear it's magic. It lasts over seven days without chip. Honestly, I usually have to take the polish off because my nails have grown out, not because they've chipped. I've also gotten really into their press-on sets. My favorite has to be the ones they have. They're simple. They're like this nudish pink color, and they're a squoval shape, which is square slash oval. (laughs) I guess that makes sense. Even though I've struggled with applying press-ons in the past, these were quick and easy to apply, and taking them off was actually pretty easy too, which was a very pleasant surprise. I am really trying to cut back on unnecessary expenses lately since we've been traveling so much, and being able to give myself a manicure that looks like it costs hundreds of dollars, but in reality only costs a fraction of that, has been a game changer. We're huge fans of this brand and so excited to have a special offer for Bad on Paper listeners. Visit oliveandjune.com slash paper for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash paper, P-A-P-E-R, for 20% off your first Manny system. So Olivia, to kick off this episode. We'll have you go first before we get into it with our our mini guests. Not that our guests are mini, just our chats with them are mini. Yes. We're going to have everyone recommend two books and then answer the color commentary question that I am very proud of. So kick us off. No introduction needed. So the first one, if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me talk about before. It's Flying Solo by Linda Holmes. It's out in June 2022. This is a cozy, comforting romance set in a little town in Maine. There is a bit of a mystery, but it's about antiquing so it's not very high stakes it's it is not, the lowest stakes mystery <laughs> it's it's the lowest stakes ever it's not exactly a page turner but it's just delightful anyway like you're not going to be anxious reading it it's like taking I, I don't know just taking a warm bath with like a glass of wine next to your to your clawfoot bathtub and then there's like a river gently flowing outside the window i i don't know it just it's really lovely and comforting and um great. I co-sign yeah. all of this. Yes. It's 
It's wonderful. And then for the second book, I thought I would go the exact opposite direction and choose The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead, who also wrote In My Dreams I Hold a Knife. This is out in August 2022. This is probably the darkest, most twisted thriller I have read in a very long time. It has pretty much every trigger warning imaginable, and I implore anyone who reads it to definitely read through those first before you decide if you're going to get into it. But it follows a housewife who lives in Texas, I believe. She listens to a murder podcast. She hears a familiar voice from the past, and she's suddenly catapulted into this uh, murder mystery, string of murders in her college town involving some of her roommates. This has sex. It has cults. It has, like I said, murder. It has a mystery. It has BDSM. It has a lot of things. And like I said, definitely read the trigger warnings, but I really enjoyed it. I love Ashley Winstead's writing. And if you like creepy dark thrillers and you're okay with the trigger warning, I suggest. You're making me feel real tossed up because I'm a scaredy cat. I know this isn't for me, but it sounds good. It's definitely not for you. But if you're someone who likes maybe the push or verity, I think you would enjoy this. But the real question of the hour, the real question of the hour that we're going to ask all of our guests just to get to know them a little better. If you could have a meal with any book character at any chain restaurant, which character and which restaurant would you choose? Okay. Let me set the scene for you. Okay, great. The year, the year is 2010. Why? <laughs> I'm going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> I am, well, I guess I'm 17. Okay. Okay, uh, sure. We're, we're going to go to Citrus Park Mall in Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was the hot place to go in high school, middle school. We're going to go to a Johnny Rockets. Ooh! The Johnny Rockets was located right next to the Regal Cinemas. You go to the Johnny Rockets with your friends. You'd tell the person it was someone's birthday. They'd sing to you. You'd order your chicken fingers. They dance on the and on the bar. Yes, they do. You'd, you'd scroll through that little thing, you jukebox, know, with the songs. The, like the table, yeah, yeah. the table jukebox. Yes, the table jukebox. And who am I going to Johnny Rockets with? I will be going with Edward Cullen. <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Why? Well, a lot of reasons. One, it's just like, I feel like 17-year-old me needs this. So. Also, he doesn't eat. Well, he only eats blood. So it doesn't really matter where you take him. So he's a really great dining companion because it's really up to your preferences. Exactly. Which is how I like every restaurant experience to be. Just me making every decision. But just him glittering under the fluorescent lights of the Citrus Park Mall Johnny Rocket. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I would just like to be like, here I am. I'm wearing an Abercrombie sweatshirt. There's other people from my high school there, like, on their little dates. But they're, like, not dates because, you know, I would feel very cool. Yeah. I was the only person who chose. Everyone else was like, I really want answers from this character. Or I think they'd be really fun to hang out with. I was like... Who was I crushing on at 17 years old? You're like, I want clout. I want high school clout. (laughs) I want the vampire, please. Let's hear what other people have to say. (laughs) 
All right. Our next guest is Phoebe Wright. Phoebe is an actor, reader, and writer based in upstate New York. She used to read under her desk at school, and after feeling creatively burnt out from acting in 2019, she started talking about books online to refresh her creative spirit and encourage others to live a literary lifestyle. What books do you have to share with us today, Phoebe? Well, anyone who follows me has heard me scream about this book for a long time already, but Every Summer After by Carly Fortune, I think is probably one of the best debut novels and best summary novels that I've read in general. It's blurbed by Emily Henry and it has very similar, similar vibes. I was talking to a friend about like how vast the romance genre is. I feel like Emily Henry and now Carly Fortune write these literary romances, <laughs> like an elevated, like you still get those like warm, fuzzy feelings, but there's a lot um, that's also explored within them. I am so excited for this one. I've seen it everywhere and I cannot wait to read it. I could not put it down. It was so good and it's messy in the best ways. And like, I'm so bored with like perfect characters right now that I'm like, give me the messy characters. Give me the things that I can relate to that are the, you know, the harder things to come to terms to within myself. What's the high level plot of this? So it's a second chance romance set in Barry's Bay, uh, Ontario. So it's a Canadian author with a Canadian setting. And, you know, we've all read the Ellen Hildebrands, the Cape Cod and Nantucket summer reads. And like, I'm looking for like the lakeside reads and like cottage country. And this perfectly encapsulates that. So it's about Persephone, who goes by Percy and Sam, they meet when they're 13 and they have these like whirlwind summers that are just so full of childhood nostalgia. And then it's told in dual timelines. So it's very similar to Love and Other Words by Christine Lauren. One of my favorites. Yes. So incredible. And the ending of that book, I still am <laughs> always like, oh, and I think this, this is that book, but just a little bit more elevated. I don't know. I loved them for the same reasons, but something about this one stuck with me more. Ooh, I'm curious. Also, Love in Other Words is the next book that I'm reading on my Kindle. So came very highly recommended. But if I like that, I'll check out this one as well. And I wish that Every Summer After was like 30 more pages because when you get to the end, you're like, oh, I need more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's delightful. I could feel like the sun soaking into my skin while I was reading it. It's oh. so wonderful. The other book is called A Hundred Other Girls by Iman Hariri Kia. It comes out in July. And if you liked The Devil Wears Prada or if you were like a magazine girly when you were growing up, you wanted to get Teen Vogue and Seventeen, this is such a good book. But it's The Devil Wears Prada meets the bold type and uh, younger, but like with a more diverse cast of characters. It's by an Iranian-American author, and it's about an Iranian-American, first-generation American, and she gets her dream job at a magazine where the print team is in a, a cold war with the digital team <laughs> <laughs> over who's going to survive like as media changes. It's just so good. It's very contemporary. There's a lot of pop culture references in it, and I know for some people are like, oh, it, it dates the book, but uh, I didn't mind it in this one. I thought it really just like hold you into the story. I'm excited. I was a magazine girly, so this sounds right up my alley. 
<laughs> Me too. It was so, and I've been chatting with the Iman and just so relatable. I actually worked with Iman. Well, we worked in, at BDG Media in the same sort of realm. So I've been following her work for a while and it's also on my list of reads. Okay. So the big question now, if you could have a meal with any book character at any chain restaurant, what would, what would it be? What would it look like? Well, I grew up in a place that didn't have a lot of chain restaurants. So when I got to go to a chain restaurant, it was very special. So a trip to Friendly's is... Love Friendly's. Wow. Wow. My mom (laughs) used to take us there on half days from school. Like like we would drive like, I think, 20 minutes to get there. And I would always get the mac and cheese and Frank's. (laughs) Um, But did you get the Conehead Sunday? Always. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Or the monster one. Sure. Yeah. The monster mash one. I remember that one. Now this was a very hard decision because the basic girl in me wants to choose Asriel from the Akatar series. Cause like I've got questions for that man, um, (laughs) for that, that male, (laughs) I need, I need some (laughs) answers on some things. But I also was like, mm, would he be a good companion? Cause he's so quiet. So like, would he like friendlies is another question that I have. (laughs) Who wouldn't? I think he would. I don't like think his... he would. I, I don't think he would like friendly. <laughs> Which one is he? I forget. He's the very stoic one. With the shadows. Shadow singer. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, who did you pick instead of Asriel? I chose Brie from Legendborn by Tracy Dion. It is a YA new adult fantasy, but it's a King Arthur retelling at the University of North Carolina. One of my favorite books growing up was Avalon High by Meg Cabot, and it made me obsessed with King Arthur and retellings in general. So when I read Legendborn, it was like that, but so much better. (laughs) There's the second book is coming out this fall, but she's so cool. And it goes into these fraternities and sororities and campus life. It's sort of like Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, but not as creepy, scary ghost story. She's badass. It's one of the best books I've read. And I also have a lot of questions for her because I've only read the first book in the series. I like that approach of choosing a character you have questions for. I didn't even I didn't even consider that. I like it. Yeah. I, I'm someone who gets nervous when I need to fill time. And so I feel like if I can like channel that into productive questions. <laughs> Yeah, you really chose the the more productive route, right? I'm just like, well, who would be the most fun or the most pretty to look at? Also very valid. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we can't wait to check out your books, but we didn't have your Instagram handle in our intro. Can you tell people where to find you? Oh, I'm at read and write. Write is spelled like my last name, the W, so R-E-A-D and W-R-I-G-H-T. Amazing our next guest is sarah dickinson the founder and host of sarah's bookshelves live podcast where she interviews authors and publishing industry professionals featured guests share two old books they love two new books they love one book they don't love and one upcoming new release they're excited about she also hosts quarterly book preview episodes with guest co-host Catherine gilmore of gilmore guide and she can be found on instagram at sarah's bookshelves sarah welcome Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and I'm honored to be able to be on it. It's a mutual admiration society because we love yours. Oh, well, thank you. Well, tell us what you brought for us today. What are the two books that you recommend people check out this summer? 
So I brought two books that are a little bit different from what is what I would traditionally call my own wheelhouse, which is dark stories, snarky stories. These books are a little bit different and books that are different have been working really well for me this year. I feel like there's been a bit of sameness in my reading and these two books really jolted me out of that sameness. The first book I'm going to share came out April 12th, so you can get it already. It's a book I would never pick up solely based on the premise for multiple reasons. There's ghosts, there's magic. People have been calling it delightful, which is not usually something I'm down for. This makes it sound like it's in my wheelhouse. (laughs) Oh, good. Yes, same sort of. (laughs) This is by an author who I loved her debut novel. So I trusted her and I'm so glad I did because I rated it five stars and it is in the running for one of my top books of 2022. What is it? Don't keep us in suspense. I had to do a big buildup, right? It is Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. It's about a med school dropout and natural born healer. Natural born healer is one of the things that I usually balk at. (laughs) And she returns to her small New Hampshire hometown to care for her dying father. She confronts family issues, a crime in her hometown, and the fact that her father is hallucinating small animals and seeing the ghost of a naturalist who is based on a real actual person who is now passed away, but real life person. This is bar none, the most unique and fresh thing I've read all year. It's a story about really serious issues, but it's told in a joyful and lighthearted way. And some of these issues can be triggering like addiction, mental illness, and grief, but they're told in the least triggering way I can imagine. At the heart of this book, it's a story of a small town. It's very quirky. There's mostly good people. The town of Everton, New Hampshire is absolutely the main character in this story. Interesting. I'm I'm intrigued. Is there anything that you can give us that if you liked X book, you would, you would maybe like this one? Yes. So nothing to see here by Kevin Wilson, two totally different stories, but Both of them have just a touch of magical realism handled in a really light way that people that don't normally like magical realism can absolutely handle. That's the closest thing because this book is so unique. I don't think there's a lot of read-alikes for it. The number one thing I loved about this book is the voice of the story. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's kind of chuckle funny, not like falling on the floor, LOL funny. And it's got a lot of morbid humor, which is my favorite kind of humor. The story is told in the collective we and the, yeah, the we are the dead bodies in the town cemetery. Huh? Oh, wow. This is both the most confusing and the most intriguing book I think I've ever heard of. Basically, nothing in this book should go together well, but it does. Huh? She is a, she's a star, I think, in the making. She's only published two books and I love them both. And they're both kind of quirky and out there and normally would never appeal to me, but did. Tell us your second book, because this author's first book was such a surprise hit for me. Oh, good. I was going to ask you if you had read that. It sounded like a book you would love, his debut, which is The Gifted School. The book I'm going to share is The Displacements by Bruce Holsinger. It's coming out July 5th. I've already read it. I'm going to call this kind of contemporary fiction, literary climate or disaster fiction. Ooh. Yeah. And it's set in a near future when massive weather disasters are happening with increasing frequency. And Hurricane Luna hits Miami with little warning. And Hurricane Luna is the first Category 6 hurricane to ever hit the United States. You've got a wealthy family 
the wife, her two children, and her college-age stepson, they are a force to evacuate Miami without the husband. The husband's a doctor and he has to stay back at the hospital. A series of events during the evacuation caused them to have no recourse other than to relocate to a FEMA mega shelter in Oklahoma City. And much of the story takes place in the mega shelter. So I'm not, again, not a reader of, I'm not a frequent reader of climate or disaster fiction, but this one totally hooked me. It's really long. It's 400, well, long for me, 450 pages is long for me. But I felt like it was extremely propulsive, especially in the beginning. It feels like a downright page turner. I will follow this author anywhere. The Gifted School really hooked me. And as somebody who is not a parent and and doesn't really care about the politics of getting your children into private school, I was so invested in that book. I have not read it. And kind of the private school competitiveness Mm -hmm. of getting your child in, all of that just... Ooh, kind of makes my stomach turn, but I also love the gifted school. So this sounds like it'll give me a lot of anxiety, but also I'll enjoy it massively. So it (laughs) does give a bit of anxiety because it delves into kind of where we could end up in not too many years. And that's a little scary to think about, but I'm going to give a comparison book for this one that I hope doesn't totally oversell station 11. Oh, Yeah, but this one is far less literary and much more of a page turner than Station Eleven, but it's got the same focus on the arts and creating and how that is important, even in a time of massive disaster and upheaval. And I would say it's a slightly choppy beginning to this book, but push through. You don't have to push through for very long. They introduce a bunch of characters in the beginning that don't seem to go together at all. Just stay with it for a little bit and it quickly picks up steam. I'm ready. Awesome. Thank you. And I will also say, despite the disaster focus, it's a very hopeful story and it's a story of resilience and kind of re-examining what's really important in your life when you're faced with a massive upheaval. So it's not all doom and gloom by any means. Love it. So our last question for you, our color commentary question for every guest, if you could have a meal with any book character at any chain restaurant, which character and restaurant would you choose? So I've got to pick a character who is from the competitor to Unlikely Animals for number one book of 2022 so far. And that's Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. The main character is Elizabeth Zott. Have you all heard of this book? Oh, yeah. I read it. Becca read it. Yeah. Well, I didn't even want to bring it to the show today because I figured everyone's already heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll talk about the character instead. And This is a debut novel that came out in April. It's getting a ton of attention. It was a GMA book club pick. It deserves all the attention. And she is one of my favorite characters in fiction, along with Cyril from The Heart's Invisible Furies. But she's a female chemist in the 1960s, and she reluctantly takes a job as a host of a cooking show, but she is teaching women far more than just cooking. And she's a woman born at the wrong time. She's pushing up against the constraints of that time. She has absolutely no filter in the way that society thinks a woman should have a filter. And she's very unintentionally funny. I think she would be a great dinner guest. Where are you guys going? Well, we are going to go to Benihana. Oh, I love this. Oh, good choice. Really long time perusing chain restaurant lists in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Thought long and hard about this one. (laughs) 
It's a great choice. First of all, I love a good Japanese hibachi restaurant. So selfishly, that's a reason I chose it. Also, because they are giving you a cooking show at the table, and I want to hear Elizabeth's take and commentary on the hibachi cooking show. (laughs) Great answer. Thank you. (laughs) Where else are you going to get an onion volcano? You know, it's like... Nowhere. And I want to hear the scientific explanation of the onion volcano. I love the thought you put into that. That was great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's a creative and fun question. Kudos to (laughs) y'all. Well, Sarah, we can't thank you enough for your book recommendations. And I can't wait to check these two out. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you love them. And especially Unlikely Animals, I feel like it's sliding a little bit under the radar and I really want it to get some more attention. So I hope this helps that. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Your alarm goes off bright and early, but instead of getting out of bed, you decide to scroll for a bit on your phone. Before you know it, half an hour has passed and you're feeling stressed out, anxious, and mad at yourself for wasting precious time you should have spent doing work or chores or a million other things. For me, this is what burnout looks like. It's something that's common for so many people, but BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you alleviate some of those negative feelings. And it's not just work that can lead to burnout either. Any of our roles in life can lead to feelings of irritability, fatigue, and more. And as most of us, including me, have learned the hard way, burnout doesn't just go away on its own. Something usually has to change first. So why not have the thing that changes be adding therapy to your life? I know from personal experience that sometimes a session with my therapist is the only thing that can make me feel less burnout. Even on days when I feel like I have absolutely nothing to talk about or days when I don't think I'm feeling stressed at all. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash BadOnPaper. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BadOnPaper. Our next guest is Amber Burns. Amber is a writer and content creator based in Philadelphia. Most days you'll find her holed up in a coffee shop with a good book and an iced latte. You can follow her work and engage with her on social at ByAmberBurns and connect with her online at ByAmberBurns.com. And yeah, as a fellow Philly person who loves lattes and books, I'm so excited to have Amber on the show sharing her favorite books for summer. So hit us. What are your two book recs that you brought for us today? Okay. First book rec. They're both very different, I will say. So my first book rec is called Honey and Spice. It's by Bolu Babalola. A lot of people probably recognize her name. She released a really good short story collection last year called Love in Color. But this is pure romance. It's so good. Her writing is just like the funniest, wittiest writing that you have ever read. And if you aren't following her on Twitter, you're definitely missing out. I mean, based on that description alone, I'm sold. What type (laughs) of romance? Like, are there tropes in this? Like, what's the what's the high level story? Yeah. So this is fake dating and it is set in the UK at a mostly white university. And there's like a community of black, mostly like African and Caribbean students who have kind of formed like their own mini world within this like super white university that they go to. Our main character, she is a radio show host and she's like very much like men are trash. I'm over it. I'm not here to do it. And so this program that she's trying to get into now is this guy who basically is like her 
arch nemesis, like everything that she doesn't believe a man could ever be, he is. And then obviously romance goes from there. Oh, I'm sold. It's so good. And the writing alone, though, is just like, it's almost like a second story. It's so good. What is a a book that you would like if you like X, you'll like this? Ooh, maybe if you like the the right swipe by Alicia Ray. Like I thought that one was also pretty like punchy and witty. And that's another like take no prisoners kind of strong female main character. I think that can give you a similar vibe. Okay, great. It sounds awesome. And tell us about your second book. My second book is called Hope and Glory. It's by Jandela Benson. It is also set in the UK. There are a lot of books set in the UK (laughs) happening right now. Um, But this book follows a girl who is coming home from her life in Los Angeles to come reunite with her family in London because her father just passed away. So she was kind of like the prodigal daughter. She moved away to go make it in America, but that's not exactly what happened. And now she has to face the consequences of like everything that she's been avoiding dealing with her family while she's been in America. So you get a lot of those like messy family moments. There's, she has like a really messy, but intimate and sweet relationship with her older sister. And then she finds out about this like hidden chapter of her family's history that she didn't know she was going to have to unpack. I'm like trying to carefully remember what was in the synopsis. So I don't (laughs) spoil it, but it, it was so good. It's one of those books where you can't tell like everyone is so morally gray. It's like, who are the good people? Who is lying to me? I don't know, but you will be turning pages nonstop. It was so good. If it looks like I'm not paying attention to you, it's because I'm on Goodreads adding (laughs) these to my want to read shelf. (laughs) I love a morally gray character. Like, give me all of the complicated characters, please. Yes. All right. So if you could have a meal with any book character at any chain restaurant, which character and which restaurant would you choose? A very hard hitting question. Extremely hard hitting. And I need you to know, I took this question incredibly seriously. Like, (laughs) thank you. This was like every podcast should ask this question, regardless of what the conversation is about. I thought about this for way too long. So there is a book called Off the Record by Cameron Garrett. And the main character of that, her name is Josie. And I think she's like 17 in the book. I don't read a ton of YA, but this one was like one of my favorites of last year. And she's like this young black girl who wants to be a writer. She wants to be a journalist. She has like so much anxiety. She's really trying to figure her life out. And I just related to her so much that I could see younger me in that character. So I would like to take her to a Ruby Tuesday. Ooh. Ruby Tuesday <laughs> is very good coming of age restaurant because like do Ruby Tuesday still an- exist. They do. You can get like a regular like grown up entree. Maybe you want the salad bar. Maybe you want both. Like there's so many options, but it's not as overwhelming as like a cheesecake factory. Like we're going to get a nice three page menu instead of a small booklet. It's a good it's a good vibe. It's never going to be crowded at Ruby Tuesdays. You can actually have like a really good conversation. I want Ruby Tuesdays is the a coming of age restaurant on a t-shirt. Just no context. Please, Ruby Tuesday, I am available for sponsorship if you would like me <laughs> to create a campaign around that being a coming of age restaurant. I think this is the start of a beautiful thing. They need yes. a resurgence. They need some marketing. Yes. Rebranding as a coming of age restaurant seems like an obvious next step. And I like that they position themselves as like a restaurant for hungry people. Like we're not here for apps. I want a burger. I want a salad that weighs more than my burger. Like I'm here to fulfill <laughs> an appetite. I'm not here to snack. This is a this is a sit down meal for a reason. 
I am going to Ruby Tuesdays after this for the first time in like a decade or two after this conversation. Where where is your money for Ruby Tuesdays? I'm ready for this for you. You know, let's go on a Ruby Tuesdays tour. Let's do it. <laughs> if we do, if we tour again, you're going to have to be a guest and it'll be in Ruby Tuesdays. It'll be great. Count me in. We've planned their marketing research. They're welcome. <laughs> done. Done. Okay. Well, that was a spectacular answer and thank you for thank you for sharing everything with us. <laughs> thank you for having me and yeah, I cannot wait to hear everyone else's book recs. Our next guest is Ashley Spivey, who's the creator of Spivey's Book Club, a book club on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find her on Instagram at Ashley Spivey. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me, y'all. We're so excited. Tell us what you brought for us to recommend today. Okay. I feel like if you follow me on Instagram, you might have already seen these, but I have to talk about Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin and then uh, Vacation Land by Meg Mitchell Moore. Uh, These two books are very different. I feel like I should start off saying tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I found just in my email, it was a NetGalley email. It said from the author of The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, which is one of my favorite books. But then it said like something about um, it being about video games. And I don't know why, but that just like really piqued my interest. I love when a book just surprises you. It's like nothing you've been reading. And I promise that this book is like nothing you've ever read before. It follows a group of friends starting with two of them being, I think they were 10 when it starts. And by the time the book ends, they're middle-aged. So it's an epic story of video game creators and friends who also fall in love. And it's just an epic, beautiful, wonderful story. I can't recommend it highly enough. Emma Straub was on the podcast two weeks ago, and she recommended this as well. And this sounds, the video game piece makes it feel like it's not for me at all. But having you and her both recommend it, and I trust both of your tastes immensely, I think I have to check it out. There, the level of video game, I would say, is like the Oregon Trail. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah, it's not going to be like deep video game geek where you're not going to be able to understand what they're talking about. If you've played like Nintendo Switch or something like that, you're going to be fine. Okay. Okay. And then the next book, I was talking about this last night on my stories, but my favorite type of beach read is just reading about messed up families. (laughs) Good choice. (laughs) This book centers around a family They go to their main beach house every year. They've been doing this for, I don't even know how long, like maybe 40 years. So you get to see the older members of the family all the way down to a (laughs) three-year-old. And they're all really delightful characters, even though at times you will hate them. The book starts off with an outsider to the family showing up on a bus from Pennsylvania and she's trying to figure out how to like meet this family, I guess you could say. Ooh. And then you see the members of the family just are in disarray. The father 
has Alzheimer's. The wife, you can tell, is just having a really hard time with it. And then her daughter is having her own kind of like midlife crisis where she's trying to write a book. She doesn't have enough time to do it. Her husband isn't present. And she's kind of just letting the kids fend for themselves. It's wonderful, though. Is there anything that you could compare it to? Like, if you liked this book, you would also like Vacation Land? The Nest. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So it's a good one. I think I saw in your stories that there's also five relationship stories in it too. Yes. So you have one of the teenagers falling in love with another girl who shows up a little later. There's a couple relationships I can't talk about just because it it'll reveal too much of the story, but everything is intertwined and it'll reveal itself. And I don't know. It's just one of those books where it's not like a ton happens. This is not going to be one of those page turns. Like I'm not a thriller person. (laughs) So I feel like I just like reading stories about really complicated family dynamics and how, even though at times we can be so frustrated with each other. And I mean, I feel like we hate our family members also like working through that to be in a good place with each other and love each other. That's my jam. I need to check this one great. out. You made it sound so good. I'm. It, it sounds to me, and I don't know if this is right, it sounds to me a little like an Ellen Hildebrand. Yes. Yes. Um, She actually has a blurb on the cover of the book. Sold. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if you love her books, you're going to love this book. So the real reason we asked you here, we need to know if you could have a meal with any book character at a chain restaurant, which character and which chain restaurant would you choose? Okay. I thought about this for a long time. This is a hard (laughs) question, by the way. Well, the bar is high. The answers have been good. Yeah, it's true. I think I'm going to go with Ronke from Wahala. Good answer. (laughs) Because she needs a drink. And also, (laughs) I just need to sit her down over a couple of apps. Like, I don't know why, but I'm imagining we're at Applebee's. Um, (laughs) No one's chosen an Applebee's yet. And it's a good choice. Okay, see? Um, No, we're going to Applebee's. I'm going to get her the biggest margarita around and tell her that her friends suck. She needs all (laughs) new friends. By the way, this is from Wahala, if you haven't read it yet. I don't know if y'all read that book, but... Becca has, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, you did. I feel like it's very controversial where some of the Goodreads reviews are like one star, but I loved it. I like go back and forth between like, did I like that? And I really like that. I think it's one of those books where when you finish it, you're like, "Mm -mm, no, that wasn't for me. (laughs) But then the more you think about it, I remember every part of that book and I read it a couple of months ago. It just elicits such a strong response from people. And that's why I loved it. But yeah, I'm taking Ronke to Applebee's. I also feel like she would, she likes food a lot. So she would be a good dinner companion. I agree. I love this. (laughs) Amazing. Let's take an ad break. You know what I checked off my to-do list last week? I made a round of doctor's appointments with my primary care physician, my dermatologist, and my OBGYN. And usually this is something that I'd have to really hype myself up for. It would sit on my to-do list for months because I know what a pain it's going to be. And then when I get around to it, I'm going to have to call and sit on hold to make the appointment. But it only took me five minutes with ZocDoc, and I could do it all online. 
ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. I am a longtime ZocDoc user myself, and it's seriously the best if you need to find a new doctor, too. I love that I can plug in any type of doctor I'm looking for, from primary care to dentist to physical therapist, and any preferences like, for example, if I'm looking for a female OBGYN, and they'll give me a list of doctors who are in network with my insurance and allow me to sort by distance or patient rating. And the booking is all online, so you never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again. I love that I can see a doctor's entire schedule instead of just the next available appointment so I can pick a time that works with my schedule and not vice versa. And some doctors have appointments as soon as today. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com BOP and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-O-P. ZocDoc dot com slash B-O-P. Our next guest is Morgan Hoyt, who is the bookworm and content creator behind NYC Book Girl. She is also the associate director of social media for Atria Books, and she lives and works in New York City and loves summer Fridays, orange wine, and color-coded to-do lists. Be still my heart, I do too. Thank you guys for having me back. Of course. Yeah, we have a full episode with Morgan from, I want to say 2019, that we'll link in the show notes. But Morgan, tell me, what have you brought for us today? Okay, so as you two both know, it was very hard for me to narrow it down, but I'm going with two recommendations of very different genres. The first comes out, so if we're recording this on Monday, May 23rd, the first comes out tomorrow, May 24th. Um, and it's called You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke Amezi. Full disclosure, I am on the team that works on this book, but I love it outside of my capacity of working at Atria Books. This is a romance. Akweke Amezi has published, I think, seven books in the last four years in what? different genres. I know. What? What? There's a profile of them in New York Magazine from last week. And they have even more projects that they're committed to in the next few years as well. This is the romance within their sphere of work. And it's amazing and beautiful and messy. And it deals with grief as much as it deals with love and lust. So it's the story of a young widow as she finds her way back into the scene of connecting with people. And I honestly don't want to say anything more about it because I think the best thing to do with this book is to go in completely blind. But I will say that it starts in New York and then you head to a tropical island. So it will give you all of the vacation vibes. Mm. And then I also love to read books about food and there are amazing food writing sequences in this book. So for all of my like TikTok food addicts out there, this is a must read for you. Would it give too much away to say, if you liked X, you would like this book? I think it's really hard to find that kind of comp for this book, because I think that while it definitely is a romance, it's unlike anything I've ever read in the genre. So I think that you, I I think it's almost impossible to like put another, another title up against it. Well, Morgan, I'm sold. Okay. I'm sold. (laughs) It's great. I will send you both copies, but it is, um, it is just like an absolutely 
devourable read. I think I read it in two sittings because you just, you got to know it's going to happen. The title alone sold me. I like anything that's like a little bit different and I love it. All right. I know. I think it's, it's really unique and the cover is so beautiful. So I expect to see it in everybody's beach bag this summer. And what else did you bring for us? Okay. Second book is called Portrait of a Thief by Grace Lee. It's published by Phoebe Robinson's imprint at Penguin Random House. It is a five perspective novel about a group of college student age people who come together to commit a series of art heists. What? How is no one? I can't believe. How has no one told me about this? You, oh my gosh, this sounds great. It's so good. So if you, like me, are obsessed with the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist, this is the next thing for you. And it really puts you in the mind of these five students and what is driving them to become a part of this. And so it's it's five Asian students who get roped into stealing back Chinese art that has been taken through like imperial pursuits by huge museums across the world. And it's so good. So it's like also a great travel book. I'm, I'm all for armchair travel this summer, as well as real travel, if it is safe. It takes you all across the world. And I love the multi-perspective thing. And I found that there was not really one perspective I craved more than the others. Like I liked each time we got another jump. And the author went to Duke and so did I. And two of the students go to Duke. And there's like such good nostalgic writing that I could like tell she was an alum, even though I hadn't. I hadn't looked it up at that point until I got to her bio at the end of it. So, yes. This episode's going to be a problem for me. I'm sure your reading list just, like, exploded. It has. It really did. And everyone has such different picks, which is amazing. Oh, I will say I'm a huge audiobook person as well. And I listened to Portrait of a Thief, and it was a great listen. It's I'm pretty sure it was, like, a, a multi-person cast. Um, so that was terrific. And then you made a fool of death with your beauty. The audiobook is narrated by Bonnie Turpin, who is my all time favorite audiobook narrator. Ooh. So for the people who are listening, who are looking for audio recs, I'm sure that's amazing on audio and I can vouch for portrait of a thief on audio. But the real question we need to know from you <laughs> is if you could have a meal with any book character at a chain restaurant, which character and which restaurant would you choose? Oh man. That's amazing. I can't wait to listen back to this episode for this question alone. Okay, I got it. I got it. Tell us. I read another food book. I feel like I needed a food a food character in order to really pull this together. But I read another great rom-com, A Slow Burn, called Chef's Kiss by TJ Alexander last month. It just came out at the beginning of May. And it is set in a test kitchen for like an aging food magazine, like some that might be going through their own moment of transformation. And the romance is between their pastry chef and another member of the test kitchen. And their pastry chef is someone who like those of us on this call is like very perfectionist, thinks she needs to do everything herself, like very into the process. And I think baking is, is like that. So I would take her to the California Pizza Kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) 
we would have this dessert that I hope is still on the menu. They have a gooey butter cake on their dessert menu. That is so good that I've had other people lean over and ask me what it was that we were eating because we were making such a fuss about how delicious it was. And I think she deserves to have somebody else make something for her that she might judge at first because it's CPK, but is going to be as good as it needs to be. Honestly, I judged it wow. first and you just, you brought that full circle. Thank you. I am so confident that this is the most and the best press that California Pizza Kitchen has gotten in at least the last five years. I, I can't say that I've been in, oh no, I've probably been in the last five years, but I hope that the gooey butter cake still lives up to the hype. Um, for those of you who run out to try it after hearing this PSA. It sounds incredible. It was a great choice. Thank you. I could not be more delighted than everything you just told me. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad to to come on here and surprise and delight. That was the goal. <laughs> okay, Becca, tell us about your picks. Okay. So... The first one, which I was very surprised no one else picked, so I have to stan it, is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. I feel like it's a little bit obvious to recommend an Emily Henry book because she has such legions of fans at this point, but I loved her most recent. So this just came out in May. It is kind of an ode to tropes. It is very winky about, you know, the tropes that are in romance books. So it is a enemies, or I guess maybe rivals to lovers story between this cold-hearted literary agent and an editor, and they're working on the same book together. The whole book takes place against the backdrop of this very cute fake town in North Carolina. And they, of course, have to save a bookshop. They kind of have to do all the things that you would do in a Hallmark movie, or they get thrown into these positions. So it's very self-aware while not being cheesy or being the right kind of cheesy, I guess. And I just loved it. The romance is really hot once it once it kind of picks up. And I just I love Emily Henry's style of writing. This is very high on my TBR pile. So I, I'm personally very excited. I think this is my favorite of her three romances. So if you've liked oh, wow. either Beach Read or People We Meet on Vacation, I think you'll definitely like this. Awesome. Okay, what about the next one? I'm very curious just based on the title alone. Great title. So my second one is this book called Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close. And the book is set in 2017. It's kind of in the shadow of two big events. So the Cubs winning the World Series and Donald Trump getting elected. There is a lot of Donald Trump talk. So if that's triggering to you, this book might be triggering. But it felt very true to life where people are kind of mulling over their place in the world in the shadow of this election. And the book follows the Sullivan family. It's a multi-generational family drama about the Sullivans who own this kind of like old school restaurant in Chicago's suburbs. There's three main point of view characters who are kind of the cousins of the generation that's in their in their 30s ish and the restaurant was founded by their grandparents who are 
kind of in the story and then, you know, their parents are also involved. And so it's a very complex, like big family that's close and loving, but also has their dramas. It's dealing with one sister who's coming home from New York City to Chicago, kind of having uh, failed at her dreams. There's another cousin who's like trying to take over the family restaurant. And then there's another cousin whose marriage is failing and is dealing with kind of like what her role is having been like a wife and mother. And that having been the crux of her identity. It's so good. It's not super plot forward. It's an incredible character study. I felt like it was it was pretty warm and cozy in a way that didn't feel cheesy. It felt really true to life. Like the way that there would be all of these slights and, and little things that are happening. I also love any book that is set in a restaurant. And I felt like this one, I felt like it was really true to life. Like I waited tables in college into my early 20s. And I thought this felt like very realistic of like working in the service industry. It sounds very layered and and fun. It was phenomenal. Is it as fun as where you're going <laughs> to dinner or, or lunch or breakfast at a chain restaurant with with who? Honestly, I wish I could go to this restaurant in the book, but I can't. It's not a chain. It's a one-off restaurant. So I am going to go to Chili's. No surprise to anyone. Of course. And I'm going to go with Blix, who is the kooky grandmother from Matchmaking for Beginners, who really started my kooky grandmother character obsession. And I, I just think she's the best. I feel like she would give me a lot of great life advice. We would get those huge margaritas, like the novelty margaritas. And I think we would just like get tipsy, talk about our lives. And I just I feel like she would make me feel so much better about my life. That sounds lovely. Doesn't it? It does. Can I come? Yeah. I will not bring I will not bring Edward. You can? Or maybe I could. I could. It could get it could get wild. You know what? Honestly, don't bring him because if he's not going to have a giant margarita, like I just feel like his vibes will be off. You're right. You're totally right. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your obsession this week? Okay, so I have a TV obsession this week. So, I'm very into this show called 10%, which is on Sundance, which I'm watching via Amazon Prime. I added it to my Prime subscription. And this is the British remake of Call My Agent, which everyone raves about. I have not watched Call My Agent because it has subtitles and I can't bear to not look at my phone while I watch TV, which is a personal problem. <laughs> but I'm really enjoying it. So it's it's set at a fake talent agency in the UK there's all of this drama with kind of within the agency and with their clients. They have incredible guest stars, like really, really good guest stars who are actual British celebrities. It's really fun. Everyone recommends Call My Agent, but I haven't watched it for the same reason because I'm lazy and don't want to read subtitles well, this, or learn French. This is in English. Great. So what about you? What's your obsession? So my obsession is this brand called Bowdoin, which is not new, but they're kind of like uh, expanding more into the U.S. this summer. And full disclosure, I am doing a paid partnership with them on Instagram. However, I have never in my life worn a dress, a series of dresses so much and gotten so many compliments from strangers on the street. Like today, a female police officer stuck her head out the window as I was crossing the street and was like, I love your dress. And then yesterday, I was wearing another version of this dress in different color. And a man came out of the store as I walked past and said, woman in the yellow, you look really great. I, I just, I don't know what's happening. 
It's like magic. I swear to you. Olivia, so I, this I might, really love their stuff. This might be the push in the direction that I need because there has been a dress that has been stalking me on Instagram that's a Bowdoin dress. And I keep not buying it, but I might need to. The quality is really good. And I just so excited about the partnership. But honestly, just the ego boost I've gotten. Jake said it's like walking around with someone famous. That's how many compliments I've gotten. Just strangers. I love it. I feel awesome. (laughs) What a power high. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) But what have you been reading? So I I read Marrying the Ketchups this weekend, which I really enjoyed. And then I also read I Kissed Shara Wheeler, which is the new Casey McQuiston book. And this one is YA, which is different from their previous books. It's the same author as Red, White, and Royal Blue. It is set in... I think it's a fictional town. I'm not actually positive. It's set in a fictional town in Alabama. It is at this private Christian high school, and it is about all of the queer kids at the school who basically are coming together to find the the most popular girl in school has gone missing. And before she went missing, she kissed two different people. And so it's kind of like it bonds this like weird group of people who wouldn't be normally be friends at this high school that they like all have to go on this quest to figure out where she went and why. I read a review on Goodreads that said, it's Gone Girl if it was a queer rom-com. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of love that. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. But it has a lot of heart. It's really cute. And especially, I think, if you went to... like. If you grew up in a conservative area or if you went to a Christian school, like I think there's a lot that you'll relate to. I went to a small private Christian high school, so I'll have to read that one. And I also have heard really good things from a lot of people. It's great. Like I know that not everyone likes YA and I do like YA, but it had a lot of heart. It was a lot of fun. There's like a big cast of kooky characters and it was it was great. And it turned a lot of like high school stereotypes on on their head. Last thing I'll say about this book, I like can't stop myself from gushing. In the acknowledgments, I love reading acknowledgments. In it, they were like, I wanted to create a teen romance for the queer kids. And I thought that was just like so lovely. It is. It's very lovely. Tell me about you. What did you read? So I finished The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. I talked about this on the last episode, so I won't rehash it all. But retelling of Jane Eyre, kind of your typical domestic thriller in a lot of ways, very twisty, did not see the final twist coming, which I always enjoy. If you're craving just like a very twisty, leaves you guessing thriller, I would suggest it. I also started The It Girl by Ruth Ware. Ruth Ware has been kind of hit or miss for me in the past, but this follows a group of friends in Oxford around the same time that Instagram came out. So maybe 2000, I don't know, 2009. And then there's a murder mystery. So I've been enjoying that one so far. I believe it comes out sometime this summer. I'm not positive when, but enjoying it so far. Finally, I finished Cover Story by Susan Rigetti, which I also talked about on the last episode. And I believe is our June book club pick. You believe correct. (laughs) I was like, I think that's right. Yes. Becca, do you want to introduce it to everyone? Yes. So this is going to be really fun. This is a book about a girl who's an intern at Elle magazine, and she gets swept up kind of being mentored by this woman who we find out very quickly is not who she says she is and is this mega scammer. And 
It kind of reminds me of if somebody mashed together Anna Delvey, Elizabeth Holmes, and Caroline Calloway. So if you've been into any kind of scammer articles or any of the TV shows, I think you'll like this. It's also really creatively told. It's told via diary entries, text messages, Slack messages, FBI records. So it's it's kind of interesting in the format that it's told. So good. The ending will just like kick you in the teeth. Yeah, I kept reading for that and it was worth it. We're going on a journey. It's a really quick read too. So I think that's fun. It would be perfect to read by a pool. So we're going to discuss it the last Wednesday of June. And in the meantime, if you'd like more of us, you can find us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. You can join our Facebook group. And I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. See you next week. Bye. Bye.